Welcome to the Restoration Church Weekly Podcast. As you listen, we pray that you are inspired by today's podcast to pursue your God-given calling to reach just one more. Thanks for listening. Restoration Church. We are one church and we meet in four different places in New Hampshire. We are also have services in Bethlehem, in Milton, and in Plymouth. Dover, would you welcome everybody to our service? So what we do is every, every service in every location, we've got a pastor, leadership team, worship team, and but we get together when we open the Bible and talk out of uh, God's word, so that we maintain that we're one church going in one direction, and uh, that we're, you know, we kind of have a, a, a similar diet where we're eating and ingesting, believing God for the same things. If we haven't had a chance to meet before, my name is Nate, and I'm one of the pastors here at Restoration Church, and I'm really glad that you're here, and I know we've got water baptisms happening today, so definitely we've got a lot of friends and family coming to support their friends and family who are being water baptized today, and thank you for being here and for spending time with us today. We started the year 2024 with a sermon series titled Expectation, and it's something that we're some really, well, we're teaching on it, but let me... We're, what we do in a sermon series is we take a topic and we teach it for multiple weeks in a row. And so a next-gen takeover, our teenagers who are preaching that morning will be, con- will be finishing up the series as we talk through this topic. When we opened up the beginning of the year, we talked about how God is the God of expectation. That it was one of the ways... He described himself, it was one of the ways that he wanted to to teach us to approach him, and that expectation is not a bad thing, but it's a good thing. And in that message two weeks ago, we taught through the scripture of how God doesn't just even want us to have kind of mild or basic expectations, but he wants us to expect, and then he wants us to fill, to expect even more, and then it says in that scripture, he wants us to abound in expectation. We tend to either approach God timid or afraid, or even we don't even approach God at all, because we're afraid of asking God for too much, we're afraid of being let down if we ask him for something and he says no, and sometimes we're afraid he'll say no, and then sometimes we just think, I'm not a person who could ever go and talk to God, he would never want to hear from me. And, and, and listen, we got to start, because maybe you missed the first week. God wants to hear from you. It doesn't really matter what you've done in your past, that's part of the good news of Jesus. It doesn't matter how you've been living, all right? God wants you to come to him. He wants you to talk to him. He wants to introduce himself to you. He wants to show you that he's real. 
And sometimes maybe we have a belief in God, but we think that God is far away. Or we have a belief in God, we think God is angry. And what thing that we do every week is we open the Bible, as we talk through the Bible, is trying to help us to know God for who he says he is. Not for maybe what our family taught us, not for what culture has taught us, not even maybe how we've misunderstood what we've heard and read before. And because of these wrong ideas of God, we, we don't ask. We don't ask him for a miracle. We don't, maybe during the songs that we're singing, we, we stop singing at those parts because we, we know, like, I'm not going to be a hypocrite. I'm not going to sing a part that, that I don't believe. We don't expect. And then what we can even do is create false doctrines. And so a doctrine is, is, a, a, is a, a set of beliefs in Scripture so we can have a doctrine of angels or a doctrine of salvation. And we create false doctrines in order to protect us from getting our hopes up. In order to protect us from getting our expectations up. And we do this probably more ways than we realize that it's sifted in. And part of what we're doing in this series is trying to course correct, trying to free us from all of those different things and assumptions that we've allowed into our mind and into our heart and into our life and to be free from that so we can enjoy God. We can expect him to do miracles and not feel guilty about it, not feel bad about it, or not even, sometimes we think it's just wrong. Well, I, I, you know, hey, pastor, I, I asked God for this, but should I have done that? Absolutely. Absolutely. If you've got your Bibles, I invite you to open up to Acts chapter 3, and what we're about to read is a true account. So sometimes people think of the Bible as, um, as like a bunch of fictional stories, but what we're about to read, the, the book of Acts, so the Bible is 66 different books put under one cover, and there's multiple styles of writing within the Bible. So you have uh, books of poetry, you have books of prophecy, and the book of Acts is kind of one of the books of history. So you have a guy named Luke who was a, who was a doctor, and he starts, um, he also wrote the Gospel of Luke, but he's coming at it as a historian. Let me find out the details, let me do interviews, and let me just record all these things together. So the book of Acts, it's it's history. It's these true accounts that Luke was able to observe and that he was able to research and do interviews with and put all those things in this book. So what we're about to read, it's a true interaction that one of Jesus's earliest followers, uh, two of Jesus's earliest followers had with a man who was a crippled beggar. So we're going to start reading in verse number one, and I want you to keep your Bibles open or keep your Bible apps open because we're going to we'll re read a portion, then we'll talk through what we just read, and that's how we'll be going, going through the message today. So verse number one, it says, one day Peter and John, those were those early followers of Jesus, they were going up to the temple at the time of prayer. Now the temple, this is a Jewish temple. But this is the early days of following Jesus, and so there were no churches. Um, nearly everybody who started following Jesus at this point, they were Jewish, and they considered themselves still to be Jewish. 
There was no separation between Christian and Jewish. We're Jewish people. We worship in the temple. We just understand that Jesus is the Messiah we've been waiting for, and they're trying to help other Jewish people to recognize that. They don't under, they, 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 in their mind, they probably have no idea that there's going to be a future separation between uh, the Jewish faith and the Christian faith. They probably just thought, yeah, everybody's coming in and is going to follow Jesus as the Messiah, the one they've been waiting for. So they go to the temple for a time of prayer. This is three in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was carried to the gate, to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. So you got this, um, this crippled beggar. He's, he's not able to get to and fro. He, there's no electric wheelchairs. There's you know, he doesn't have a hand-pedaled bicycle. He, he is stuck. And as we walk through this message today, we're going to look at a couple of the a few places where we could be and the place where God wants to move us from. And the first place is what I'm calling the place of poverty. And this is where the crippled beggar found himself. And this, is, goes, much bo- this goes much beyond finances. Because you can be in poverty but, uh, but, but have, the, but have uh, financial resources. But poverty, one definition is the state of being inferior in quality or insufficient in amount. So you can be in a place of poverty because you're, you have a, 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 a spiritual poverty in your relationship with God. You have an expectation poverty that God wants you to abound in it, but yet you don't have any of it. So you're in that place of poverty. You could be in that place of poverty. Sometimes this place of poverty, it is not by anything we've done. And so it kind of feels unfair. You were put there by others. This beggar, he's placed at the gate beautiful. He wasn't crippled because he tried to do some Travis Pastrana backflip on a dirt bike. He was just born injured. That was his life. And when you find yourself in the place of poverty, what you, you, you realize that you're, you're not in a position to expect, why, how could I ever expect anything, God to do anything for me, but instead you're in a place to beg. And maybe you've been there before. You don't, you're not confidently coming before God and saying, hey God, I've got this miracle I need in my life. According to your word, according to what you say, I'm going to believe you. I'm going to expect for you to move this miracle. No, your prayers are, be- are they're, they're, they're as simple as a beggar, crying out, not knowing if anybody will listen, not knowing if anybody will respond, but just shooting it out there. I need help. If there's a God out there, I need help. If you help me through this, I promise I'll, I'll, I'll go to at least three more services with Pastor Nate in my lifetime. God, if there's some way you'll come through for me, I'll make these promises for you. Please, 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 and we're begging, we're begging, we're begging. God, we, listen, God has never designed us, and God does not want us to be in a place of begging him for something. So we can be in spiritual poverty, and how do you move from this place? How do you move from this place of, of spiritual poverty, of expectation poverty, of just realizing, you know what, in my life, there's nothing that reflects God. There's nothing that shows that God's active and moving in my life. There's nothing that I'm expecting of God. How do you move from here? And we begin to see it in this next 
passage of scripture, you begin to give God your attention. You're, you're here, so whether you were drugged here by someone else or you came here on purpose, you're here in a place maybe of spiritual poverty. No, no idea of God, no understanding of God, but maybe recognizing there's some things that if God could do these in my life, I would probably appreciate it. I, I don't really believe in God, but if God wanted to do a miracle in my life, that would be cool. I, yeah, I would like that. How do you move to a place, how we move toward that place of expectation? We begin to give God our attention. And if you've always thought of God as fictional, or if you've always thought of church as irrelevant, what happens is, listen, you're, you're not expecting God to do anything. You're, you're not expecting God to even listen to your prayers, and so you don't ask. You don't even consider it. For those of you who are coming to Restoration Church every week, there's an expectation. Hopefully you come with an expectation that God has something he wants to say to you. God has something he wants to do in your life. But if you're maybe coming in from a place of poverty, then even as we're speaking, you're waiting for a funny story. But other than that, there's no expectation. Sometimes we open our phones and we scroll and we play games. And, but if we have an expectation that God's going to speak, then we have our Bible, our Bible app open. We have something to take notes with. We're, we're listening, knowing that God has something. Even if it's in an area, so if we're talking about being a, the best grandparent, and I'm sitting in service, I'm not a grandparent, but I know that God will still have something for me in that message to deposit for the future, or even just to change my life right then. So let's look now at this next verse, verse number three. It says, when the crippled beggar, when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, right? Giving God your attention, that he's trying to speak to you. You're calling out, he, he does want to answer you. He does want to speak back to you. And it says, the man gave them, he gave the men uh, his attention, expecting to get something from them. Now he's hoping for um, he's hoping for a coin, he's hoping for money, he's hoping for a piece of bread. But something changed. He went from a place of poverty, a place of begging, to now a place of faith. Oh, they've addressed me. They've made eye contact. They've got something. It's a place of faith. He's expecting, not because he's already seen something in their hands, but just because they, he's paid attention to them. He's noticed them. He's giving them his attention. Now he has faith that something's coming. We might settle on this for a couple of minutes and slow down here, but faith and expectation, they go hand in hand, as we're going to see here. I'm going to put a couple verses here on the screen, so you don't have to turn there, but I want you to pay attention to these. Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 1 says this, now faith, so we want to get to that place of faith. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Now what did we study a couple weeks ago? Hope and expectation are the same Greek word. 
Faith is the assurance of things expected. Faith is the assurance of things expected. It's the reality of our expectation. And through faith, we can see what yet we can see what can't yet be seen. Through faith, you act. Through faith, you believe. Through faith, you move. I think what happens in, in our culture is we take the word faith and we translate that as religion. Faith does not equal religion. So when you say, oh, I have faith, or I'm a person of faith, most, more times than not, people are defining that I'm a person who goes to church, I'm a person who has religious belief. We do not want to get to the place of having religious practice in our life, of learning religious rituals in our life. That's not what this is speaking about. It's not saying, hey, faith, religious rituals show us how to have expectation. Because I've never been a part of a religious ritual and been close to people who just lived a religious life who had anything that I've wanted in my life. Faith is, faith doesn't equal religion. So let's continue to look at this. If, you, if we scroll down to a couple more verses, verse number six, it says, it's impossible to please God without faith. So again, we would say, we would think it's impossible to please God without being religious. It's impossible to please God without being able to check a box on our government or on a uh, whatever, to check off Christian or whatever. Again, that's not speaking that. It's impossible to please God without faith. We'll look at that. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. Again, this verse is probably um, paradigm shifting for some of you because we thought what God wants is for us to show up in church, not to do bad things, and to be good people. But what does God want? We believe he exists. And we've got to believe that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. And most of us are not coming into church believing that God rewards us because we are trying to spend time with him. That there's a reward for worshiping. There's a reward for listening to preaching. There's a reward for spending time with him during your week. How have you been trying to please God? How are you, well, you need to come to a place of faith, a place of, a place of believing a place of expecting, not a place of religious activity. Let me, let me, this is my own quote here that I'm going to put on here. And this is, anytime I make my own quote, I feel like maybe this is, this is false. All right, but let's talk through it. Maybe it's completely wrong. We'll figure it out together. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. We just read that in scripture. That's true. All right, 100% true. That's scripture. If you don't have faith, if, you don't have, if you're not believing in unseen things, if you're not believing that God can do miraculous things, if you're not believing that God can do impossible things, well, guess what? God's kind of bored with you. Because <laughs> we're trying to please God. Oh, I don't swear. Oh, I say a bunch of memorized prayers. Oh, I, I dress up or, or whatever, I, you know. Those aren't the things that pleases God. God is pleased when we are believing for impossible things. Now, here's the controversial part of maybe way off. 
without expectation, it is impossible to have faith. If you say, yeah, I, I've got faith in God, I don't expect him to do miracles. I don't think miracles still happen today. Uh, what is your faith in then? Maybe you're, you're, you're taking faith as behaviors instead of taking faith as spiritual condition, as spiritual possibility. To, to have faith is to have expectation. To have expectation is to have faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without expectation, it is impossible to have faith. Anybody here disagree with that? Tell me after. <laughs> <laughs> so we want to get to that place of faith. We are in a place of poverty. I know I, I, I've been begging God. I know I'm in a place I need God. So you're telling me, pastor, that God would help me? That God cares about me? That God would forgive me? That God would accept me? That God would participate in my life? Yes, all of a sudden now, maybe you've moved to a place of faith because you begin to say, then I want that. How do I get that? How do I move there? How do I become that? You're in that place of faith. You're beginning to see what you've never been able to see before. Verse number six in Acts chapter three. So then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have. So the guy's probably like, well, thanks a lot. <laughs> it would be like um, uh, every once in a while in the kid's offering, you would find like old Chuck E. Cheese tokens or things like that, like, hey, thanks. Well, they're probably pretty valuable nowadays. We should have kept them. Um, but silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Oh, this guy, he was expecting a couple coins. He was expecting something to get him through the day. But what God had to give him was way beyond anything he even thought was possible. So as that crippled man sat there at the gate called Beautiful, they said, hey, you know, money, I don't really have something for you, but here's what I do have. Hey, in the name of Jesus, why don't you get up and walk? And they grabbed him by the hand, and the guy stood to his feet, and which I think you could probably fake some miracles. And then the guy did what he'd never done before. He began to walk. It, it says they took him by the right hand. He helped him up. And instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. So it's not like up there, like you are, what came to my mind, I shouldn't say. He's not... He's not, um, he's not standing there waiting for the feeling to come back to his feet. You know, he's not up there like woozy and like, wow, I balanced. No, he's up there. He, he, he is upright under his own power, recognizing my, my, my feet and my ankles are strong. Something has just transformed my physical body. And what happens is this gentleman moves from the place of faith to the place of receiving. That there was, he was, he was expecting, 
and now he was receiving what God had for him, which was different than what he was asking for. It was different than he wanted. He was expecting something, but it was even different than he was expecting. But God gave him what he wanted to give him, which was the healing, and he's now living in this place of receiving. To move from faith, to move from poverty to faith to receiving, I think expectation is a big part of this because when you expect, you're no longer begging, but now you're, you're, in, you're just waiting to receive. The guy, you, you, you know, he's, and he's begging, hey, whoever can listen, whoever can hear, I need money, I need help, help me, help me, help me, you know, tuppence a bag, help, help me, help me feed the pigeons, help, you know, help me, help me. He's, he's just begging, 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 begging. Now he's, oh, hey, excuse me, sir. Oh, I'm expecting. Okay, these guys got something for me. And he could have said, hey, silver and gold, I, I don't have for you. And like, oh, no, thank you. About your way, I'm missing all these other people walking by. Nobody's, wait, oh, well, what do you have? Sometimes we come before God with a prayer request. Hey, God, I need this. God, I'm believing you for this. He's like, okay, I've got something for you. And we're like, man, I know God's got something for me. It's a little bit different, though, than what you've been asking. And, and, he, and so he's in this place where he's receiving it. He's in this place. Uh, we preached about on this verse uh, December, a couple of Decembers ago. But it says in Matthew chapter 7, you parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask you for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. This is Jesus teaching this. Said, if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? We talked a couple of years ago about we have a theology of bad gift giving. We're afraid to ask God for something, thinking that he's going he's to give us the prayer request we shouldn't have asked for. Thinking that God is going to give us good things. Oh, you're asked for healing. Let me give you more sickness. <laughs> It'll teach you. To come bother me. No, God's not like that. What does it say right here? He wants to give good gifts. Our expectation should be that if God takes away one gift, he replaces it with something better. I've shared this illustration a few times uh, over the, probably two or three times over the last decade. So I'm going to share it again. I, I feel like I'm repeating myself even though it's been so few times. But um, when Michelle and I first got married, we got a pit bull puppy. And uh, it was, um, so I began to read, I never had a pit bull before, but I know, like, I know what they're capable of. And so having uh, lived most of my life with the, um, spent, having spent most of my life with these guns, I know what it's like to have a weapon <laughs> that you have to be responsible for. Amen. So <laughs> I got this pit bull, I need to read and learn how to train it, and one of the things that it taught in the book was when the thing's chewing on his bone or it's eating his food to be with them while they're doing that so they don't become possessive of it and then to take it away. So the dog's chewing on his bone or it's, you know, or, or the leg of an intruder, you take it away <laughs> and, um, and then there would be times, sometimes you take it away, good dog, give it right back. Sometimes you take it away and give it something good like a pizza crust. And so it's learning that, hey, you can trust me with what you have. It's very, very similar with God. 
We think, though, that if God takes something away, it needs this cruel dog owner. Oh, cute puppy chewing that toy. Give me that! No joy for you, puppy. We think that, we honestly, we, we don't realize that we think like that God is like that so much. And when God asks to take something from you, we're like, what a cruel God. We, we teach and practice tithing at Restoration Church. And so when we receive from God, we give 10% back to him through our church. And long before as a pastor, when I was a teenager, I practiced this and did this. Sometimes people hear about that for the first time and they think, what a vicious, cruel God. He makes you give 10%. What they don't know is it's that, transa- that transaction. Oh, hey, let me, let me, let me, can I see that 10%? <laughs> Get out of here. No, no, trust me. Come here, come here, come here. And we're so possessive about it and mean about it and nasty. No, come on, trust me, trust me, trust me. And we, and like, he takes the 10% from us and we're like all wound up. Like, what's going to happen next? What's going to happen? What's, and, then he, and then he, all of a sudden there's a blessing. Oh, oh that was surprising. And then he does, and then it's a pride doing it week, paycheck, week, and all of a sudden, you're, anytime God shows up and he's like, hey, can I see that poem? You're like, yep. And then you're just, what do you, it's expectation, which is what we're trying to teach the pitbull puppy. Hey, listen, let me see. Here, have my neighbor. <laughs> this is what, this is all this really is so much in this, but this is what God's teaching us. You can trust me. I know how to give good gifts, all right? And even if I don't give you the gift you want, you can, be, you can know and be confident that what I will give you will be better when I choose it to give it to you. So let me, let me jump into this last point and our musicians can move into place. The place of receiving, all right, we can move from begging God, making promises to God. We can change our posture from having our arms crossed where we're upset about what God's doing in, for other people, what God's doing in other families, what God's doing for everyone else and being mad at what everybody else has. We can uncross our arms recognizing that what God did for them, he can do for us. And we can move ourselves from being mad at what other people have and mad at what we don't have to being in a place of receiving, putting our hands out and receiving from him what he wants to give to us. One of the reasons is we're not receiving anything from God. We're not asking anything from God. We're not expecting anything from God. We don't have faith that God will do anything for us. And then we don't have our hands out to receive anything from God. Our arms are crossed. Our hands are clenched. We're growling and being possessive over the things that he's put in our life, and he is inviting us into this place of receiving. So let me read this last verse, or this last couple verses, verse number eight. The crippled man jumped to his feet and began to walk. Imagine being there that day. He went with John and Peter into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, 
They recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. We go from this place of poverty, spiritual poverty, it could be just actual poverty. We go from this place to this place of faith, to this place of receiving. And I think a lot of people have received something good from God, but they've never stepped into the place of praising. I meet lots of people who say, oh, you're a pastor? God, God saved my life one time, I remember. And they go and share me this, this story of something that happened in their life. I know God was with me, God was protecting me. That's wonderful. But they never stepped into the place of praising. And so, hey, I recognize God did something for me. Thanks. And they just went about their life. There are more people receiving miracles than are giving God praise for those miracles. We don't want that to be us. We don't want that to be us. Next week, we have our annual report that we're giving to you. And I've, I've said it a lot of years. It's an annual report. So talks, there's some money and some stats and things like that that... Um, and so we'll be handing that out, but I've always said it's, it's an annual report, but it's way beyond that. It is a book of miracles. It is a book of miracles, and we're using the annual report to remember and praise God for everything he did in the years past. We need to praise God for what he's done. For the small, the small, little, teeny miracles to the huge, gigantic miracles, God should receive the same praise from us. So whether we're standing and walking for the first time, whether an election cycle makes the gas prices finally go down, whether you um, had a sickness, a flu that only lasted 24 hours and has gone away, whatever little good thing happens in your life, we're giving God praise. We're giving God praise. We praise in expectation. I'm going to praise you knowing that it's going to happen. We sow in expectation. I'm going to give. I'm going to prepare. I'm going to act knowing that good things are going to happen. We pray in expectation. Again, not begging, not trying to convince, not worried, not anxious. But what does it say? Be anxious about nothing, but in everything through prayer and petition, offer thanksgiving to God. Thanksgiving for what? It's an expectation prayer. Hey, I'm not going to be worried. I'm going to thank God in expectation of what he's going to do. So we're living in that. We're working in that. And so what do you think, I'll close with this. And What do you think this guy did, this crippled beggar did in the future? Because his, his feet and ankles are strengthened. He's running. He's jumping. He's uh, doing the gritty. He's pumped. He's giving praise to God. And then what do you think happened? So three months down the road, he, uh, I don't know, maybe he gets the flu. So didn't have Tylenol back then. Probably a pretty bad deal to get the flu. Do you think at that moment he's like all, all depressed and all worried and like, hey, 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 buddy, you should pray for God to heal you. I don't know if God can heal a cold. I don't know if God can heal the flute. I don't know that I should be someone asking God for something. What do you think he did three years down the road, 10 years down the road? What do you think he told his future kids one day? They're like, you know, uh, I don't know. I, I've been to struggle. What do you think he 
maybe his kid got sick one day, you think he'd go to the place of depression or he'd be living in the place of expectation still? No, because he knew what God did before, so he knew what God would do again. And I don't think, and maybe, at least for me, I have a hard time being there. God would do a miracle three years ago, and then we come for a need for a bigger miracle, and I forget how quickly I forget what God can do. God would do, a, a, you know, a financial miracle, just talk church-wide, a financial miracle, I remember, how long have been, 11 years ago, we needed a miracle, and a miracle happened, and it was surprising and unexpected. But the next time the miracle happens, I find myself in the same place of, I don't know what God's going to do. I don't know if God could do it. And I got to keep myself in that place of, he did it before, he will do it again. I don't know when, I don't know how, but he will do it. We have to keep ourselves in that place. We praise him for the things he's done. We praise him for the things we know he will do. Instead of saying, I'll just praise you for the new thing. I don't have anything to praise for. Nothing good is going on in my life. Will anything good ever happen in your life? Praise him for that. Will any good thing ever happen in your life in the future? I don't know. Well, come on, get out of the place of poverty. And in the place of faith, God will do something good again. If you will believe it, and you will let him do it. Will you close your eyes, let me pray. Jesus, we love you so much, and I thank you for the things you've done in my life and the ways that you've been with me and, and you've helped me and you've helped my family. I can think through all kinds of things. I can think about uh, when our six-month-old got meningitis, but you healed him, and he's still here. When, when, when my wife almost passed away and had multiple surgeries and multiple blood transfusions and but, but God you saw her through God the different miracles in this church when we when we were um, when we had like a 30 day or we had a short window we had to move out of this building but then you did a miraculous uh, uh, wrong phone call that we're, we were able to secure buying this building God, you have done miracles, and we, we are believing you for more miracles, God. You haven't stopped. You haven't stopped. And I pray, God, that the miracles we've seen will cause us to believe her even more. God, we wouldn't just have minimal expectations. We wouldn't lower our expectations. But God, we would abound in them because you've called us to do it. You've invited us to do it. And God, you want to do more than just make us expect something. You want to give us some things. Those things only come through faith. They only come through expectation. They only come from being in the place of being able to receive those. And God, we praise you ahead of time for all those good things. For the lives change, the addictions that you're going to deliver people from, the financial breakthroughs. God, for building sales and building purchases and ministries opening and ministries being funded. God, for the work you're going to do at Center of Hope, for the work you're going to do at Restoration Recovery, for the work that you're going to do in every single business owner's business here in, the, in this room, for every paycheck, for every kitchen table. God, you have great things ahead. And we thank you, God, that you're going to do it, that you're taking care of us and you've got some good things ahead for us. And we pray this all in Jesus' name, amen.